You know, when you look through the uh, pages of history, biblical history, it strikes me that God has always been intrigued with the ironic. He he calls out Abraham and says through him he's going to build a great nation to a man who is childless and has pretty slim chance of ever bearing a child. When Abraham's son, his son's wife, has twins, it's the one who's called deceiver that God puts his hand on. And Jacob, when, we, when you read his life story, is, is not exactly the, uh, the prized child, the one you'd say, he's, he, there's a righteous kid. When God chooses Israel, they're slaves in Egypt, and, and they have very little chance of escaping that slavery. God chooses a, a shepherd, a young shepherd to be the great king of his people. Over and over again, we see God making a decision that most of us might look at and say, what were you thinking there? That doesn't seem to make any sense. And so it shouldn't really surprise us that when we come to the Christmas story, that God again chooses to do things that to us seem very ironic, unexpected. It's, it's ironic to me that God chooses an unwed woman to become pregnant to bear his son. It's, it's scandalous. I mean, the shame that, that, she, that her condition brings upon herself and, and her fiancé and her parents and her extended family and her friends and the whole village. And yet this is God's plan. You have to scratch your head and wonder, why would God choose to, to send his son into the world in a circumstance that, that is fraught with, with such shame? And yet there he is. It's ironic that, that this, this couple must, must travel despite Mary's pregnancy. It, it's ironic that, that this couple can't find a place to stay. And, and it's ironic that this child is not, is, when the child is born, he's not laid in, a, in an exquisite crib in a palace, but in a manger of straw in an animal shelter. It's an ironic thing that God does when he sends his son into the world. And, and then when, when it comes time to announce the birth of his son, to announce the, the, the coming of the Christ child, the announcement isn't given first to kings. The announcement isn't given first to to people of of wealth and influence and and power. It's given to shepherds. It's given to to these crude, what many people consider irreligious men who are out in the field one night just watching their sheep. The whole thing is is filled with, with irony. And surely there is no more 
ironic element to all that's involved in, in, in the Christmas story than the fact that God comes as a baby. It's so common to us, we take it for granted. You know, we know the story so much that, that we just, we, we say, well, God became a baby. How wonderful. But God became a, a baby? That's how God wanted to communicate to us through a baby? You know, babies are, are not real good at communicating. No, they, they scream, and, but you're always trying to figure out what exactly are you screaming about? We, you know, babies, when you think about it, babies are, are really pretty, pretty self-centered. You know, I mean, you, you, if you, you've been through this process, you know, a baby wakes up at night and thinks to himself, I'm hungry. But you know, it's, it is 2.30 in the morning. My parents haven't gotten a lot of sleep lately. I'll just lie here until daylight comes and then I'll wake them up. Most babies don't do that. They wake up hungry, they let you know. They wake up and need to be changed, they let you know. They wake up not feeling good, they let you know right then. Babies aren't real good at communicating. And when you think about it, we're not very good at listening to babies, children. When was the last time that that you took the advice of a five-year-old or an eight-year-old or a 15-year-old for that matter. We give them advice. We tell them what to do. In our world, it's, it's the children who listen to the adults, not the adults to the children. And yet God, in his infinite wisdom, comes as a baby to communicate to us. What irony. And that's really what God has always done. And I think God continues to do. This whole story of of the coming of the Christ child is, is all about God's desire to speak to us in ways that that we might not anticipate. In our world, it's, it's the powerful and the influential and the wealthy who are the message bearers. But in the kingdom of God, in, in, his, in his meekness, this little baby is born and as someone has said, a mule could have stepped on his head. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. Martin Luther said, the true Christian religion doesn't begin at the top and work its way down. It begins at the bottom. And I believe that God still likes to work through ironic circumstances. God still loves to work in ways that that surprise us. God still loves to speak to us in unexpected ways. And I think we're going to be pretty frustrated with God and with life until we come to grips with that truth. Because we're looking for him in the ways we think, not in the ways he thinks. You know, in the kingdom of God, 
ultimate victory comes through losing, not through winning. You look at Jesus' life, and if you evaluated his life from the perspective of the way that we think, it's all loss after loss after loss. From the, the family into which he is born and the place where he is born and, and, and all throughout his life and, and the, the people he hangs out with until eventually his very death. All of it cries out, loser. But when the smoke clears, Jesus is the only one who wins. And I believe that God still wants to speak to us in these ways. God's ways for us are ironic because it's not the way we naturally think in this world. It's not the way we're trained to see and to live in this world. And we wonder why we have a difficult time following him. We think God ought to go this way and that's the way we move. And all the while God is saying, no, 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 I'm going this way. And we need to get in tuned to the way that he goes. When the time comes for God to act, when the time comes for God to to put his finger on the life of people, to carry out his plans in this world. He's not all that concerned about, about titles and, or material wealth or, or, or social status or educational accomplishments or religious pedigree. He's looking for people who are open to him. People whose, whose hearts are ready for him. People who are willing to walk where he walks and to do what he asks. And sometimes that's hard for us. I read about a guy who's a little three year old girl, loved to sing Christmas carols and you know, she'd come to church and they'd sing and, and she'd sing as boisterously as anyone as she began to learn them, she would sing them around the house and he loved to listen to her sing and one day he thought to himself, She's singing a familiar carol, but something doesn't sound quite right and so he listened a little more intently and instead of singing away in a manger, she was singing no way in a manger. And he chuckled to himself and then all of a sudden he was struck by the Realization that maybe she put her finger on on how we think about God. And we sing away in a manger, but in reality, we're saying to God, no way. I don't want to follow the path of Christ. I don't want to follow that route that Christ took. A manger? No, I want a palace. I want I want big stuff. I want I want experiences with Christ that that are exciting and flashy and 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 grab my attention and 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 tug at my emotions and do things the way I want to do them. But the reality is, often in the kingdom of God, He speaks to us most clearly and most often in the common things. With things we might call mundane things. Just the stuff of life. That's where God lives and breathes and speaks to us and calls us. And all the while we're looking for things that are fascinating and exciting and flashy and big. And and he's speaking to us and coming to us in, in the everyday moments. And the common things of life. And we need to see him there. To see him in, in just the stuff that we do. As God speaks to us when we're driving our car. Cooking a meal. Taking out the garbage. 
teaching a class, reading a book, just going about our business, that God wants to to come to us and speak to us in those moments. And yeah, sometimes he does speak to us in those flashy times. And and they're so invigorating that we yearn for those almost like an addiction. But the truth is God wants wants to hear him in the common things of life, in the everyday things. One of my favorite Advent stories is it's written by the American poet Edwin Markham. It's about a, a, a cobbler in, in the olden days who had a dream one night that was so vivid that Jesus was coming to see him and visit him the next day. It was such a vivid dream that when he woke up the next morning, he went out early and, and, and cut some green boughs and decorated his little cobbler shop. He wanted to make it just perfect for, for such a noble guest to come. No one came to his shop except for an, an old man who was stood outside and asked to be able to come in to get a little warmth. And, and the cobbler invited him in and gave him a seat. And as the man sat, he noticed that his shoes were, were totally worn through. And the cobbler was touched. And so he went to the shelf and found a pair of shoes and made sure that when the man left, that he was wearing those shoes. The afternoon wore on. Still, no one came to the shop except for an an old woman who was weighed heavy under a load of firewood. And he he opened the door for her and ushered her in for some warmth and took the load off of her back. And in the course of their conversation, he discovered that it had been two days since she'd had a meal. And so he quickly gathered some food and made sure she had nourishment before she went on her way. As... The darkness of, of evening was settling in. He, again, no more other visitors had come, but he heard, heard a noise outside the door and he went out and there was a little child who was lost, weeping. He found out the child's situation and soothed him and took his hand in his and led him home. When he got back, it was dark and he was sad. He thought to himself, I can't believe it. While I was gone, I I missed Jesus. I missed him. And as he was lamenting that, he was sort of replaying in his mind all of the the events that would have taken place. The knock at the door, the latch lifted, the warm embrace. He, He would have kissed the hands that the nails pierced and washed the feet that the spikes had been driven through. He would have, would have sat and talked with Christ. And he said, why is it, Lord, that, that your feet delay? Didn't you remember, Lord, that, that this was the day? And in the stillness, the voice he heard, lift up your heart, for I kept my word. I I was the man with the bruised feet. I was the woman you gave to eat. I was the child on the homeless street. It's hard to know how God may speak to us or come to us 
But he comes. He comes in, in the everyday of life. The people he brings into our lives, the circumstances that he brings into our lives, the, the events that seem so common. Christ is there. And he simply asks for us to open our eyes and to see. To open our ears and to hear and to open our hearts to receive. But like the shepherds, we might rejoice in his coming into our lives and into our world. May God give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive. Gracious Father, we thank you that you come in every moment of life Sometimes in the flashy big moments, but often in the common things. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. In the name of Christ Jesus, amen.